Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... This is Kevin O'Brien of EWTN's Theater of the Word. I'm excited also to teach middle school and high school literature, speech, and drama with homeschoolconnections.com, an online Catholic curriculum provider. Your student can meet with me online for a live, interactive class. Whether you take apologetics with John Martinoni or grade school with Jackie De La Viaga, or any of the other 400-plus courses with homeschoolconnections.com, online Catholic learning for your homeschooling family is available for you. This episode is brought to you by Hallow, the number one Catholic app. Hallow has 1,000 audio-guided prayers and meditations for you to deepen your relationship with God. To listen to all of the Hallow meditations for free for 30 days, head to hallow.com breadbox. Yeah. Here we go. There it is. There's that symbol. Welcome, everybody, to Beneath the Surface here this beautifully miserable rainy evening. Glad you could join us, my fellow truth seekers. Beneath the Surface, where faith and reason meets every Monday evening between 10 and 11 p.m. Beneath the Surface, attempting to bring a little sanity into our age of insanity, a little life into our culture of death. Thank you for joining us, ladies and gentle creatures. Glad you could be here tonight with us. Paul Morano here with my guest, Mr. Kent Niebuhr. Kent, welcome. How you doing, Paul? Complain I can't. All right. So as you're reading your intro there, I'm wondering, you know, this is beneath the surface where faith and reason meet. Where else do faith and reason meet? Way above the surface. Yeah. Where, where can, like in heaven, where can our listeners find the meeting place of faith and reason when we're not on the air? St. Thomas Aquinas. All right. Is in, that it? In the magisterium of the church. How do they, how do they, do, are there, uh, magisterial, the are there magis, magisterial outlets? The catechism of the Catholic church is where I find where faith and reason meet. Okay. That's the, the, good. The most. What if, yes. what if you find St. Thomas Aquinas difficult to read? Well, then get um, get uh, books that explain Aquinas, like uh, the Summa of the Summa, which is my favorite book. Who wrote that? Uh, uh, Peter Kreeft, Doctor ah. Doctor Peter Kreeft. Yeah, and he. What does that mean, Summa of the Summa? <laughs> this is not. Is the, that a book on Japanese wrestling? Yeah, it's it's all about Japanese wrestling, and uh, yeah, that that's exactly where faith and reason meet, right in the middle of the sumo wrestlers. <laughs> when they meet, yes, yes. Well, anyway, th- faith and reason are two um, avenues to the same truth, as well as the scientific method. So if you have real faith, real reason or logic, and real science, um, they can never, they can never, literally can never contradict each other. I think the word science comes from yeah. a Latin word that means uh, understanding. No, wait, that's intelligum scientia. What does that mean? I think it means... Well, knowledge, logia, logia in Greek has to do with um, understanding of the the nature of things, right? And that's why all of the things that we, many of the sciences, are end with that, like biology, psychology, all of those ologies. So it uh, basically, yeah, it means the 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 science or the understanding of a particular um, discipline. But anyway, 
let's not uh, let's not have our listeners fall asleep here tonight. <laughs> Kent, a uh, little little bit about your week before we go get uh, start getting beneath the surface. Uh, it was Easter. I don't yes. know if you noticed, but I did. Yesterday was a big day. Yeah, it still it is. Easter today yeah. is Easter Monday. We, we have the Easter season. Yeah. Well, even before even even uh, distinct from the Easter season, we have the Easter octave. Yeah, we're in the Easter octave. Easter is actually a week, not a day, in the Christian calendar. Can you sing an Easter octave? I can't. Okay. Yeah. Um, but um, tonight, ladies and gentlemen, persons, we go beneath the surface on the topic, surrendering to, lo- to the will of God, no matter how difficult. Now, let me repeat that one more time. Surrendering to the will of God, no matter how difficult. I'm looking forward to delving beneath the surface on this topic. Uh, I know Kent Me has a too. lot. Yeah, I know you have I don't a lot know anything to, about this. I can't wait to hear to, what you, you have, have to say. You have a lot to say about it, Kent, and, <laughs> like you told me outside of this uh, off the air. Before we get, before I get into all of that incredible um, depths of knowledge and wisdom that you have on this topic, Cindy, behind the glass, that's not her name, but she that's where she's located from my eyesight. Uh, Cindy, our producer of Beneath the Surface, how you doing? Can you hear me? I'm doing great. Oh, there you are. Did you uh, did you have a nice Easter, Cindy? It's fine. Good, fantastic. How are you doing tonight? Uh, a little tired, but I'll be fine. Good, good. I hope you stay awake throughout Beneath the Surface. I hope we don't put you to sleep tonight. Yes. And I hope whatever uh, tired you out was was worth it. I know, you know, staying up late with friends or staying up late doing some, you know, enriching things. Enriching things. You always pay a price being tired, but it's kind of worth the trade. Okay. Thank you for that word of wisdom, Mr. Mm. Katz. Okay. So tonight, let's let's, uh, get right to it. Delving beneath the surface on the question of surrendering to the will of God no matter how difficult. Kent, I think we need to define a couple of things first before we delve and... Basically, we have two ideas there. Number one, surrendering to the will of God, and number two, no matter how difficult. Mm. So, here's my first question to you. How does one know what the will of God is? Wow, that's... Boy, we could talk about that for a very long time. But, I would say this. If you are concerned about the salvation of your soul, if you are concerned about being the type of person that God made you to be, yeah. you're probably in a place, you're probably of a mental and spiritual disposition where God is, where you're docile to God, where you're useful to God, where you're, where you're uh, an agent of God's work in the world. In other words, uh, if you're a prayerful person, especially if you're close to the sacraments, you know, generally confession in the Eucharist on a regular basis, and you're always conscious of the presence of God around you, you're always aware that he's with you, that he's watching over everything you do, and, and not necessarily in a, you know, a, a, a scary kind of way. I mean, or, or a superstitious kind of thing. Right, exactly. All right, so I understand. That's the first half. So mm-hmm. if you're close to God, therefore what? Uh, therefore, you're going to be receptive to his voice. Jesus talks about people who they have eyes, but what do they you don't mean see. By, what and, do you mean by voice? Uh, God, with or without your conscious awareness, 
can use you to do his work in the world. And oh, no question about that, but what do you mean by voice? So, yeah, not necessarily a literal voice, not oh, like you're okay. going to be hearing things, but oh. you you will feel these impulses. You will you I shouldn't say feel, but you will it's, be It's not emotional, you're saying. Right, it's not an emotional okay. feeling like uh, you know, a thrill or something like that, okay. but you will Things will be, you will become aware of things. Like, you might have this fleeting thought that you should pray right now. Okay. That's easy to ignore. It's yeah. easy to go on without okay. praying. You say, okay, yeah, maybe I should pray, but I'm gonna All right. do something. I, I need to, see, I'm the kind of person where I, if I, if I hear something good, I need to break it down a little bit. So you're saying, Kent, that if you have a fleeting thought in your mind that you didn't uh, consciously put there yourself, and it's it's a godly thought, like um, I should stop. Say I'm 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 vegging out on television. Yeah, I should shut this off and pray instead. Right now, that's a fleeting thought. It went through my mind. I didn't consciously put it there. You're saying this might be the voice of God telling me to do something good here. Right. Okay. You know, I, I should stop doing this. Or mm. and it doesn't even have to be something like prayer. Like no, oh, I, I should get up to go. It right. should be like you know what? I should go see if my wife needs help. I should go. You know, maybe I should go wash the dishes now instead of watching TV. Well, how do you know that's that's just not your human uh, good will that is acting right there instead of the voice of God? Or or could you say that? I would say they're not mutually exclusive. That's what I was about to say. Yeah. It's not mutually exclusive. So then are you saying that the voice of goodwill of the person who loves God can be trusted as perhaps God's voice? Not, not absolutely. Okay. Then how do you distinguish? Because we can be deceived. I mean, the way St. Paul puts it in one of his letters is the devil comes to us disguised as the angel of light. So we have to be careful. You know, this is why I sort of set this up with if we're generally prayerful people, if we stay close to the sacraments, if we're always conscious of what is God's will in my life? What, what does God expect of me in this moment, in this circumstance, you know, in my career, in my marriage, things like that? If, if we kind of think along these lines, not that we're obsessive about it, but no. we're just kind of, we're just aware that we're put here by God. For a purpose. You, you have that uh, divine awareness, that eternal perspective on life that you live every day. So it's not just, you're not you're not looking at life as a materialistic animal would look at life. Right. But you're also not necessarily thinking that, oh, in order to, you know, to be a holy person, I have to go on a mountaintop somewhere and, you know, flee the world. And, you know, you, you could be just what we would call a no. normal guy, right? No. Yeah, you could be a maintenance worker, you could be a doctor, it doesn't matter what you are. Regular sort of, I understand. You know, I'm just talking life. about that that consciousness yep. of uh, of the eternal perspective that yeah. that one should have no matter what they do in life. Right. Uh in uh, in their everyday li- living. Yeah. Which of course would afford oneself to raising one's mind to heaven and and prayer mm-hmm. now and then, right? Right. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And in fact, St. Paul says we should be in constant prayer. And you know, if you think about that and you think of the way we kind of tend to fall into thinking about prayer like oh, mm-hmm. I have to have my hands folded and I have yeah. to be kneeling or by my bedside yeah. or whatever. It's, wow, so St. Paul says I need to be constantly doing that. I need 24/7 no. I should be kneeling next to my bed saying, you know, the our father and the now I lay me down to sleep. That's not what he means. What he's talking and now that kind of prayer is fantastic. We should definitely do that kind of prayer, but there are different kinds of prayer. There are different modes of prayer. And and tonight's show isn't on prayer, but you're right. There are four basic modes. Uh, There's 
There's um, contemplative prayer. There's meditative prayer. There's vocal um, traditional prayer, mm-hmm. and um, what's the th- well? There's spontaneous prayer too. Yep. So right, we, we could we could do a whole show on prayer. And one day we will. But what but, I'm talking about yes. is just living your life conscious of the fact that God has you, has placed yes. you in every moment, every moment, yes. every instant, every yes. immeasurable instant of yeah. your life. He's placed you where you and, are. And is sustaining you in every instant. Exactly. In every moment. If, right. if he weren't, if he weren't actively willing your yeah. existence, you would cease to annihilated. exist. Yes. You would yes. not every, exist. And everything could be annihilated if God exactly. turned his metaphorical back on his creation. Right. Okay. So all that said, how do we distinguish between the voice of the world, the voice of the evil one sounding good to you, uh, the voice of your own intellect, which is your own goodwill, or the voice of God? Now, I just gave you four potential voices there. Yeah. How do you distinguish between those four? Well, a lot of it is very simplistically or very simply, it's just what do we know of God? What what have we been handed on? Mm-hmm. About God, you know, you could read the Gospels, you could read, well, you can read the whole Bible, you could, like you were saying mm-hmm. uh, when we were talking a little bit earlier, you could read the yeah. Catechism, you could yeah. go to Mass, you could hear the Gospels proclaimed, you could learn the prayers of the Church. The prayers of the Church, you know, some people complain about them that they're, oh, they're so formulaic and it's not your words, you should only pray with your, but the pr- the formulaic prayers of the Church teach us something about God and they teach us something about ourselves and they teach us something about ourselves in relation to God. Right. And so if you know these things, you have been handed, you have been given yeah. like a decoder ring. Right. You're given all the, um, oh, the code, uh, that's a good analogy or all the, all the uh, tools that you need. But I, I want an answer where the tire hits the road if I could. Mm-hmm. And that is, you gave a, a very simple uh, example a few minutes ago that uh, you're, you're doing something. Say you're watching television and a thought comes into your mind. Maybe I should get up and help my wife in the kitchen. Right. Um, how do I know at that moment that's not m- the voice of my own goodwill, the voice of the evil one, because actually God doesn't want me to do that. Yeah. Um, the voice of the world uh, or the voice of God. How do I know which one of those it is? Well. I'll tell you one litmus test that I use. Yeah. What I, I I try to be on the lookout for selfishness, laziness, things of this nature. Yeah. And if the the choice if my if the choice I've just presented myself with is sitting on the couch yeah. or doing the dishes, and I can see how doing the dishes really benefits my family, and I can't really see how sitting on the couch really benefits my family or anybody. Can't yeah. really see how it even benefits me other than I'm just taking a load off, right? I'm just relaxing. But, but now Which you're, is okay. I, I understand, but what you're saying now is that you are depending upon your own intellect and understanding that. Of selfishness and of laziness. Yeah, of understanding yeah. that. That's yep. what I'm saying. Right. So your intellect is is intricately involved in understanding God's voice. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Or it's not like... Yeah. God's voice comes outside of your own mind and your own no, will. No, no. Yeah, exactly. So in other words, p- 
part when they say where when the Bible says we're made in God's image and likeness, we think God is the ultimate knower of things, is yes. the ultimate intellect. So therefore, if we're in His image, we have an intellect too, which is is Godlike or ought to be Godlike. We can yeah. work with that. There's a lot of people out there saying, "Well, I don't know what to do with my life now," and, and particularly young people who don't know whether to get married, whether to stay with this guy or girl, whether. If they're if they're of a religious bent, perhaps becoming a, a religious or a priest, how do we discern that? And then we're going to get into the meat of our conversation, and that is, how do we surrender to the will of God when it's extremely difficult for us? That's the meat of our conversation tonight. We'll get to that and other things after this break. You're listening to Beneath the Surface. I'm Paul Morano. My guest this week, Mr. Kent Niebuhr, and you... Delving beneath the surface on this and other questions. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Nine seven eight four five four four nine eight zero is the Beneath the Surface hotline. Nine seven eight four five four four nine eight zero, or you can comment anytime you want at paulmorano.com, and there you will see beneath the surface at paulmorano.com my relatively new website that I'd love you to check out. P a u l m u r a n o dot com. All right, so Kent's. Tonight we're delving beneath the surface, as you know, on the topic of surrendering to the will of God, no matter how difficult. We started out by doing a show on discernment, though. Yes, that's yeah. true. Discerning the will of God, because we had to ask, well, how do we know the will? I mean, in other words, if you're going to surrender to the will of God, you have to, it, it presumes that you know the will of God right. in order to make that choice to surrender to it. Right. So generally speaking, wouldn't you say that the will of God in a general sense is uh, what uh, is basically the natural law. God is sure. the God is the creator and designer of our human nature, and whatever is fulfilling to us, to our families, and to society, mm. is the will of God. Right now, it it go it gets very complicated, though. You know, I mean, I'm sure you're aware of all these classical philosophical dilemmas about you know you have a choice. You could either you know, the trolley car is out of control and you could either do this where one person dies or you could do that where five people die. And, you know, you have to make them, you have to choose. You know. Right. So things can be very complicated. We understand that. Right. And we understand that even though you're trying to but, do the will of God at, at any given time, even that can be very difficult. But, to but a lot out. of people distinguish. I, I think there is a distinguishing out there when people talk about this between. The will of God as in the best thing to do in this time, mm -hmm. and that's that relates to the virtue of prudence, mm. and the will of God as in the voice of God speaking to me. Yeah, right. How, it, it, I know this is huge, but what is the difference between those two concepts? Well, And can they contradict? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, put it to you this way. Just because I'm a human being doesn't mean... I have to be like any particular other human being. Like, you know, I, I'm, I'm a man and I'm a Catholic. Um, that doesn't mean I have to be a priest to be holy. Right. Uh, right. God calls me 
it, God calls every human being who ever existed to be the best they can to great holiness. Yes, right. Which means the same thing. I don't want people to think, yeah. oh, holiness—that's religiousy. Right. No, it just means to be the best you can be with the help and guidance of God. To be exactly what or who God made you to be. Exactly. To fulfill your mission in life, you could yes. say. To, to so, fulfill the potential that God has given you. So yes. what I what I one of the things I do want to bring up is we shouldn't try to do this alone. I know everything we talked about up until this point is just you sort of analyzing your situation, analyzing your yes. thoughts and so on. Right. But we need to have access to um good and holy people who are also of the mind that we need to do God's will in this life. Self-centered people around you do not help you in this this discernment process. Right. So there's something in the Catholic Church called spiritual direction. And so if you can, you can have a spiritual director, meet with them on a regular Mm. basis, and they say, and and you can sort of... it's sort of the the uh, striving for holiness version of what people go to like a, a counselor for, like a psychologist right. for, right. right? But this is purely to discern the will of God in your life. Okay. Right. 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 So, by the way, are, short of that, yep. Uh, very. Excuse me. Good friends and good family members could also help in that discernment. Right. right. And what do we mean by good, Paul Moran? No, I, I understand. That's that's yeah. huge. Actually, right. that question. Good is is unselfish, understanding the will of God as has been revealed um, in in my understanding, of course, in my tradition, has, that has been revealed through the Catholic Church. So I understand through natural law and church teachings, the commandments, the councils, um, the, basically the teachings of the magisterium of the church, what, generally speaking, the will of God is for me as a human being. Generally speaking. Yeah, now, as a yep. human being. Yep. Now, as Paul, of course, it go, it continues to go over and above that. But as a human being, I can't go past those parameters of, of the natural law as dictated through the commandments and the teachings of Christ. Now, if I'm doing that, I, then I know I'm, I'm living the will of God, how imperfectly that may be. But then there's that extra thing that I'm not only a human being, but I'm the particularly unique person, Paul that is going to live God's will a bit differently than the unique person can't. So then that needs an extra discernment. That basic discernment is that religious discernment. You know, what does God expect of me as a human being? Then, of course, step two is, what does God expect of me as Susan or as John or as, you know... Yeah, and the the other approach to this, you mentioned St. Thomas Aquinas, to to sort of take the via negativa, to look at it from the other side... Is that w- as a human being, there are certain things that no human being should ever do. Correct. Right. So I that's, need to be aware of those yeah. also. That's, that's, a, like, that's what I mean. We yes. need to know the boundaries. Of not what only it, uh, what of how is to act ex- as a human being. Right. Yeah. And how not to act as right. a human being. I was actually having a conversation not too long ago where someone was saying, you know, when when you're sort of steeped in sin, when you, yeah. when you're when you're carrying such a heavy weight of sin with you, you start to think like an animal. Yeah, you start to think like yeah, a do. beast. You do like it, it's what, just survival. What it's, becomes primary are the sensual appetites and survival. Exactly. Yeah. So the when you're comforts. in that state, you have failed to rise to the level of the human being that God made you to be. Yes, you're. You know, and ironically, or not ironically, but sort of illuminatingly, 
if I can say okay. that, in the book of Genesis, when God creates everything, God creates man and beast on the very same day, but then he distinguishes humanity from the animals by giving them faith, giving them well, giving God. Them a spiritual soul first. Right. Yeah. Right. So, and, and we see this the way this is portrayed in Genesis is the seventh day, God commands Adam and Eve to rest with him to mm. observe the day of rest with God, the Sabbath, right? Yeah, which so, is basically another way of saying, be with God and worship God. But the beasts are not, even though, you know, yeah. I my, my eight-year-old just said yesterday, you know, we're basically animals, okay. right? Yeah. If you look at us simply biologically, you could say, yeah, yeah. I mean, if I'm looking, okay. if I'm cutting open a human being, yeah. I could find a heart, lungs, yeah. liver, kidneys. We, we are the species stuff. Homo sapiens. Exactly. Homo sapiens sapiens. And I could cut yeah. open a pig or a monkey and I could find all these same organs, yeah. right? Wow. Look at how alike we are with the animals. However, we, none of the animals are called into a contemplative union with God. Right. A mystical union with God. A relationship with God. Exactly. Make it sound simple, yes. Right. So what we have to do mm. is figure out how that looks in real life. What is, how does this play out? Yes. Right? And we tend to What think, decisions must I make in order for this to be optimal? Exactly. How yeah. do, how do I fulfill this? How do I fulfill yeah. who, who I am, who I, who I am made to be, right? So, we tend to think we get it wrong when the pursuit of holiness, the pursuit mm. of living in communion with God, brings on suffering. All right. So now we're getting to the meat of the of the uh, topic here, and that is um, surrendering to, to the will of God, uh, no matter how difficult it may be. Now, Kent... There are some, we all suffer. All human beings suffer. It's, it's this just state of, it's our post-Eden state being on this earth. We're going to suffer until the next life. Now, often we bring about that suffering ourselves. Yeah. With our bad choices, we, there are consequences to them. And, and those reverberate throughout our lives sometimes. Other times, through no fault of our own, we find ourselves in a very, uh, very uh, a situation where there's a lot of suffering, and those are the times where a lot of people sort of look up to heaven and say and ask why. Yeah. Now, here's my question to you: If, and this is an if, because we never really are fully aware of how much we have sort of caused, or at least the degree to which we have caused this suffering in our lives, but. Let's just say we can't see how we caused it. Through no fault of our own, we are suffering something catastrophic or something that just doesn't go away. Is this God's will? Uh, and, and you can make the distinction between his positive and his, um, and his, um, his, in, his indirect will, if you'd like. But is it God's will, and what do we do about it? How do we embrace it? Uh, if it is God's will, without passing the buck to somebody else. There's so much to say on that. So and I just want to highlight something that you just said, God's will. Yeah. We, we can break it into two right. a- 
aspects. Right. There's his, what's often called his ordaining will, where yeah. God is basically saying, this is what I want in the yeah. world. I want right. this, it would be great right. if things were this, like this. This is the ideal according to God's will. So that would be, right. so, some philosophers call that God's positive will versus God's permissive will. Right. The, right. Uh, the other one I was going to say was his permissive will. In other words, he sees that there's some evil, yeah. but he permits it for some reason. Right. And mm. the perfect example, we just lived through this with Holy Week, Christ's passion, his suffering and death, the greatest evil in the universe. Exactly. Yeah. So God, not only did he permit it, he entered into it. It was he yeah. himself who bore all this suffering. Why, though? So that some greater good would come out of it. Right. Yeah. Um, and so let's just set aside um you know, obviously we're talking about, we're focusing on what about the bad things that happen yes. to us? How could that yeah. be God's will? And, and what do we do about that? Right yeah. now, the problem, you, and then how do you surrender to it? Yes. Okay. Exactly. So the problem we tend to have when we initially face any of this stuff is in our modern world, we are so kind of spoiled. I guess I could say life is so comfortable. All we have to do is go back, you know, a couple of generations and life was not nearly as easy yeah. m- sort of materially, materially. as as it is now. You know, I once heard uh, somebody say that even the great pharaohs of Egypt yeah. didn't live as well as you or I in an apartment in a mm. suburb of Boston. Right. Because they with, didn't have with, running water. With running water, with electricity, yeah, with, uh, have... with computers and televisions and cars. Oh, and... my goodness. And a refrigerator full of food. Yeah. And, and So materially, we have it made, compare, um, historically speaking. However... Like you and I know that too much of that brings upon corruption. immaterial yeah. corruption within the soul. Right. Unhappiness, stagnation, depression, yep. anxiety, all Jesus of those things. Jesus said it's easier for a rich man to pass through the eye of a needle than to enter into heaven. And it's hmm. not because r- people who are rich are automatically no. just sort of disqualified. It's that that kind of comfort tends to corrupt us. And so he didn't take say our it's impossible. Exactly, he didn't say it's impossible. We just kind of lose our edge. Well, right? You know, so speaking of taking your eye off the ball, to use a metaphor or an analogy, um, if you are a professional basketball player and you're you're in the midst of the playoffs right now, and all of a sudden you start thinking of these, you're you're very say you're very comfortable on the bench. You, you have this incredibly comfortable, but you don't want to get up. And then you, you start thinking of these very comfortable things. And, and all of a sudden, you're called upon to try to win the game. You're not going to be in the right mode. Right. You, you took your eye off the ball. Right. So that's what ha- creature comfort uh, tends to do with us post-Eden humans. We get right. too comfortable. We take our eye off the ball, and, and our intellect becomes a little more blind, our will a little more weak. Yeah, and uh, and we, we it's, it and we sit the there, we lie there in our beds mm. with the remote control mm. in our hand, or on the couch, and we're eating cookies or bonbons or yeah. whatever we're doing, and we're like, Gaining why am fat. I was why am I miserable? Why yeah. am I miserable? Why am I miserable? Right? We don't really see the correlation that God created this whole vast universe for us to occupy, to act. In mm. and when we're sitting passively mm. watching television, surfing the internet, mm. playing computer games, we're not being active participants in God's universe. We're not enacting God's will in mm. creation. Hmm. Right now, there, 
God's will is, as we were talking about before, to also have leisure, to also have rest. But we're making lifestyles out of leisure, whereas God gave us one day a week, mm-hmm. right? So we're we're sort of like stuck in leisure mode. Mm. So then when some suffering comes at us, mm. we're thinking, this is terrible, we God. How it. could you yeah. allow this, right? Yeah. yeah. Now- so, as you were alluding to before, right. there are many ways to look at this. What is the meaning of this suffering? How could I be suffering? Here I am trying to do God's will. Let's say I'm not the couch potato, right. and I volunteer at the soup kitchen, right. and I have a bunch of kids I have yeah. to take care of, and I work for a living, and I, you know, have to yeah. love my wife and my neighbor, and and, and okay, so so you're doing this all uh, yeah. normal. You're trying to be the best normal person right. you can be, and okay, and something terrible befalls you, right? Yeah. A disease or a, a beloved person dies or or a beloved person gets a disease or some and you can't or a breakup a breakup uh, a heartbreak of some sort yeah which is so chronic so and you you're powerless to fix it right mm. your girlfriend leaves you or, or something and and you're doing everything you possibly can everything you can think of to reverse this to fix it to 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 make everything right and we tend to look we live in a day and age where technology solves so many problems it even solves problems that we didn't even know we had <laughs> and well, so let's not let's let's not go into another tangent now because you're you're just getting right to it mm-hmm. how do we surrender well how do we know that this suffering that i'm experiencing now is god's will yeah and how do we surrender to that will well i would say this and this might sound too simplistic, but right. I think you need to let it sink in. We know it's God's will because it's happening. Yep. The fact that it's happening. Even if I made it happen or even if my neighbor made it happen. It doesn't matter who made even, it happen. Even if I'm a perfect saint and I never did anything wrong mm. and someone's mugging me. Yep. God did not stop it. So he's at least so willing God, to... Per- okay, so so you're saying as long as something is happening, we know that God is permitting it. Right. Okay, because, cause of course, God is God. Right. So if something is happening, God is permitting it to happen. Therefore, in that permissive will of God, we have to look at it in that perspective. It is... It, okay, this is God's will. What do I do from here? Right. All right. So... Especially when we find that it's an inevitable thing, right? An, an unavoidable thing. In other words, if I'm getting mugged, it's okay for me to run away. It's it's okay if someone's attacking me. It's okay for me to run, mm-hmm. and we'll see what God's will is there if I get away or not. All right. So but if I, I, some... I, I need to break this down. So Go you're ahead. saying that it, it might be God's. It is God's will that you run away, mm-hmm. or it might be, or it might be God's will that you. You stay there and fight, mm-hmm. or it might be God's will that you just stand there and take the punch yeah. and try to talk to this person. So so the, in that part of the situation, you have to discern which of those three are God's will. Fight, right. fight flight, or turn the other cheek. Yep. But uh, but at least there is a choice to make there. Exactly. To, to use another similar analogy, and then we'll go to the break. Uh, if somebody is in pain uh, with some kind of illness or accident... It may be God's will that you seek a medication to kill the pain, right? Mm-hmm. That, yep. But once you're at a situation where there's nothing else you can do, you've tried everything else to to relieve yourself from this particular suffering, whether it be physical 
or mental or spiritual, then you can realize this is God's will. I must embrace it. Exactly. Yes. yes. So I'm going to ask you how you embrace it when we get when we get back from the break. What does that mean to embrace heavy suffering? Nine seven eight four five four four nine eight zero. Give us a call or jot your um, your own suggestions or thoughts or comments down at paulmorano.com. We need to take a quick break. Last break of the evening. We'll be right back right after this. We're back. Segment number three, Beneath the Surface. Paul Morano with my guest, Mr. Kent Niebuhr, delving beneath the surface tonight on the topic of surrendering to the will of God no matter how difficult. So, before the break, Mr. Kent, we were going over a scenario where um, if we find ourselves in a difficult situation, um, whether it be something that we had uh, created ourselves or something given to us that we have no power over, we can look for um, situations that that alleviate the problem, like painkillers, uh, medication, counseling, um, uh, everything that we can do as long as it's within the moral realm of doing it. Uh, for example, you cannot um, try to combat loneliness by uh, indulging in pornography, for example. So, so yeah, it needs or to just be, excessive drinking or just a, a drink, stay drunk exactly. Or yep. So as long as it's within the uh, within the realm of moral living, uh, one can try to alleviate the situation. But while you're doing that, and even if you have exhausted all situations where you can alleviate it, it's time then, Kent, to realize that. This suffering, this pain is God's will, and I need to embrace it. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to feel good right. on, a, on a certain level. Yeah. But your trust of God in, in, in trusting that he would not permit this in my life unless he was going to bring a greater good out of this. Right. Because God is God, and that's what he promises if we trust him. Yes? Yes. St. Paul says, first of all, that God will not expect us, God will not sort of Put any suffering on us that we cannot bear with his grace. With God's help, yes. Right? So you can be sure that whatever suffering you are faced with, if it's inevitable, that yeah. God is providing you his grace to bear it. Right. And again, that's not going to make it pleasant. But there'll be, even at a deeper part of your human nature, you will feel or intuit or, or have a comfort Underneath all of that suffering. You know, it's even, yeah. Paul, I will say, even if it kills you. Literally. Literally kills you. I mean, we just celebrated Easter, and before that, Christ's passion, his death on the cross, and, and all the suffering right. that led up to that. Yeah. So, if it kills you, you can never choose your own death. Exactly. I just wanted to make right. that You can surrender to it. You can accept it. As, uh, uh, like, right. like when a disease is killing you and you're on your deathbed. Right. But right. you cannot go out seeking, how can I increase my suffering? How can I increase yeah. my suffering? Or how right. can I end my life? Yeah, this is how all can, how this can is I all in the realm suffering? of of serious sin. Right. All right. So and now we're just talking about what what is given to us and how we accept that. Right. So first of all, um, we 
it's in times like this, it's good to think about, maybe read about, really ponder, we would say meditate or contemplate Christ sufferings, right? And it's beautiful, the dialogue between Christ and Pontius Pilate, yes. where Pontius Pilate says to him, do you not realize that I have the power to crucify you yes. or to set you free? And Jesus says, you would have no power over me were it not granted to you from above. In other words, Christ could have walked out of there. Nothing could have stopped. He said, I could call down these heavenly legions of angels to defend me. He could have done it. And in another place in the Gospels, Jesus says, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own will. Yes. Right? So what he's saying is he is accepting this suffering that is part of his, as I said earlier, Mm. his mission in the world. Part of why he exists is to embrace this suffering, to accept this suffering. Now, now, let me just, there's a a way to understand that. Yeah. I mean, Christ didn't come into the world to suffer into, just to suffer without any context. Yeah. I mean, God, God would not want anybody to suffer without there being a greater good that comes forth from it. And a meaning. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the mission of Christ was to take on the sufferings that we should have gotten. Right. Uh, to take the hit for us and our sins so that we can be saved from the guilt of those sins, which is eternal death. Right. So that, so there's a meaning and a context behind Christ's suffering and he is the ultimate model in how to embrace that cross, I think is what you're saying. Yeah. But here we are as his, his children and we have, we have a portion of that cross, you could say, in our own lives. Everybody yeah. has a different version of it. Mm-hmm. So we must embrace that cross. Right. Uh, not that we look for crosses, they're given to us. Right. But once they're given to us, you- Take we must up. embrace them without further. And th- this is this is, I think, the trick to it. Don't pass the buck. Don't give that suffering and that that negativity that comes to somebody else. Right. I once a heard. People, a deacon. I mean, isn't that what abortion is all about? Really? Yeah. And I, I feel like I'm suffering, and therefore I'm going to take it out on on the one that is making me suffer. Yeah. We can't do that. Right. We need to suffer. Well, we I need heard to suffer morally. I recently heard yeah. Deacon Harold Burke Sivers uh, describe divorce as yes. parents taking their crosses off their shoulders and putting them on their kids. Yes, right. Yes. So now the kids have to bear it. What you say to the kids Throughout is, kids, their lives. you just need to understand we have to do this. So right. I'm sorry, you're just going to have to deal I, with this. I agree. I think right. that's it. So that's, that's an what's example. happening there. Now, here's how I one of the little. Things I ponder, I was going to say a trick, but it's not a trick. I, I ponder this when I'm faced with suffering that I cannot avoid. Yeah. The world is damaged by sin. The world is continually re-damaged yeah. by sin. Yes. Christ came into the world to, to take that, take some of that away, or at least the guilt of it away and the way I visualize this is when Christ... Well, be- ultimately, all of it away after ultimately, the resurrection right. at, at the end of history. Yeah, at yeah. the end of time, but we're right. still in it right yes. now. You and I yeah. are still in it. So the way I visualize that is I think of two things in the life of Christ. He began his public ministry by going down to the Jordan River where throngs of people were going to the Jordan River to be baptized by John the Baptist. They were going into the river. 
John was baptizing them for penance and okay. they want to rid themselves of their sin. They want to rid themselves of their guilt. So the imagery that I ponder, and this isn't uh, exactly what was happening, but at least in the minds of the people who were getting baptized, they're washing away their sins. We know that sacramental baptism in the Catholic Church does wash away sins, but yeah. what they were doing since Christ had okay. not instituted this yet, they yeah. were going through this, right? Yeah. So you imagine the just visualize for me, this is how I do this, visualize all these people, thousands of people, and just visualize their sins getting washed off into the Jordan River. Yeah. Then Jesus appears. He goes into the river, and what is, he has no sin. Right. So what's he doing in the river? And John the Baptist even asks him this, and Jesus says, just do it. I envision all those sins that are filling the waters of the Jordan River being absorbed by Christ mm. and taken and those waters are purified. In fact, there's uh, a teaching in the catechism that says something about Jesus purified all waters yeah. by his baptism in the Jordan. And then the other thing I think of is when he would touch a leper, if you touched a leper or if I touched a leper, we would become lepers. Yeah. But Jesus was pure and perfect. Mm. He touched a leper. Right. And the leper and, became pure and perfect. So where did the leprosy go? He absorbed it because God is infinite love. When you absorb any evil, whether it's physical or moral, natural evil or moral evil, when you absorb that into love, it dissipates in infinity. Evil is finite. Love is infinite. So mm. God, Jesus is like this sort of sponge that absorbs us. Archbishop Fulton Jean said the only way, let that sink in, the only way to conquer evil is to absorb it into love. Mm. Right? So when I'm suffering, I need to think of myself as this love sponge, this divine love sponge where yeah. God is sending me in the right. world and he says, Kent, there's all this sin in the world. I need you to soak some of it up. Mm, okay. To make the world a better place, take on some of that sin, just like your Lord and Master, who you were baptized into at your baptism, who you become one with in the Eucharist, you, like him, need to take part in his ministry and absorb some of this sin into the love I have infused in you and your baptism, your confirmation. So this Eucharist. is the mission of every Christian? Every Christian right. exists to yeah, rid so, the world of sin so by in, absorbing it. So in other words, it, just one one thing I take from this is that a lot of people who maybe maybe a little weak in their faith or are they're not perfect in their faith uh, need to have good people like this in their lives. Yeah. Because to to ask them to simply well let me let me ask you this: Do you think that a a person can have this uh, dissipate by virtue of just a relationship with God without other people? Uh, acting as mediums I, to, to I, God in their lives. I'll go one better, and okay. I'll say even if, like, I have, I think of things suffering yeah. this way. I have great friends around me who yeah. reinforce this sort of thinking and support me in this sort of thinking. Yeah. I go to That's mass. Important. It's, I, I receive the sacraments, yeah. the Eucharist. I go to. I receive all this grace so, to do it, and I still fail at it. I still. So, in other words, the love of God, of course, is the source, and Ultimately. that's 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 yep. what, that's what gives everything. But how do we receive? 
receive the love of God. That's the question. So mm-hmm. how do how do we receive that ultimate? Like with some people, it does come directly um, at times, of course. Receptivity is yeah, a yeah. big... We, we all receive God's love directly, mm-hmm. but very often it comes sort of through channels, through right. instruments, through yep. people, whether they be priests, family members, friends, acquaintances. Complete strangers. And you're saying, so we have to man up. We have to accept our crosses and we have to be Christ to other people so that they can help help them carry their own crosses right. in life. We tend to think I want to be like the Christ who was like preaching on the on the on the mountain you know, the Sermon on the Mount and everybody just loved him and adored him. But we also need to think of being the Christ who was scourged, who was crucified, who was spit on, for, for who was sa- struck. For the sake of others, you're for the saying. Sa- he, he yeah. from the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That has to be us. All right, so we need to have that awareness. And that's the, that's the strong part of us. Mm-hmm. Now, with the minute we have left, focus on the weak part of us, the part that needs the love. Yeah. That needs to receive that love. Right. Go ahead. Now, we will say to ourselves, well, I can't take all this suffering because I need to build myself up. Mm. Right. But the irony is with God in the life of the Christian, the more you pour yourself out, the more God fills you up. We have to think of ourselves as conduits, not receptacles. So become less selfish and do something good for somebody. Exactly. Receive the grace from God and pass it along. I think somebody who is very unhappy, depressed, asked Fulton Sheen, I, I have a miserable life. What do I do, Fulton Sheen? And the thing he said, the one thing you should do is forget yourself and go do something good for somebody else. Right. That'll begin to turn around even if it's a small even if it's just go get up and do the dishes or something it doesn't have to be All go right. to you know be a missionary or go to a soup kitchen right do something good for others there you have it ladies and gentle things wow surrendering to the will of god no matter how difficult and of course we doing, need extra innings and doing that of course uh enables us to be one with him for all eternity thank you mr kent Niebuhr. Thank you for listening, everybody. You've been listening to Beneath the Surface. Uh, Paul Morano signing off. Check out my Facebook. Uh, check out my website again, paulmorano.com. Cindy's Vinyl Vaults coming up next. Have a great uh, have a great week pondering what we talked about, and I will too. God bless. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree.